Spring of Life Fellowship and the vision of changing the world invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Let's listen to our guest. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. Lord, and we pray for each one of these young adults. Father, we pray that your spirit would come upon them, Lord. Lord, we pray that you would lift them up as leaders, that you would put a hedge of thorns around them. Father, guard their heart. Guard their mind. Seal them, Lord, that they would know that they belong to you. Put your spirit inside of them, Lord. Lord, make your face shine upon them. Give them courage. Give them strength, Lord. Lift them up in the midst of their generation. Put a zeal and a passion in their heart to serve you. For the harvest is still plenty, Lord, and the workers are yet few. Send them out, Lord, to do your will. Send them out, Lord, as arrows that will hit the bullseye of the calling that you have on their life. Lord, we need your spirit. They need your spirit upon them. And we pray that you send them as ambassadors. We pray that you send them as your messengers. Guard them. Keep them safe. Put your words in their mouth that they might share your word to their friends. That they might be a light in their generation. Keep them and guard them, Lord, not only on this trip, but as they embark, Lord, on their life to begin to obey you, Lord, as adults. To grow and mature in you, Lord. In your house. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You guys can be seated. You guys are in for some exciting times. How many of you guys remember when you were their age? I don't remember ever being that tall. But I remember being their age like it was yesterday. Man, time flies. How many of you guys like the movie Top Gun? I made my, my wife has had to watch it a hundred times. So Pastor wanted to be here. And actually, he landed already. He really wanted to be here. Matter of fact, he called me and said, call me on the last song. And I said, that's cutting it close, Pastor. He said, call me on the last song, and I'll tell you where I'm at. And he was still in baggage claim when we were on the last song. So in Top Gun, there was something called Alert Ready 5. And they had a pilot that was on the deck of the aircraft carrier, and he wasn't supposed to fly. He was just there as a backup on alert ready five. Alert ready five meant you need to be ready to go in five. We may not call you up, but you need to be ready to go on alert ready five. We're going to give you five minutes to get up there. If you got to go, you, I'm going to tell you in five minutes. And so I got the call on alert ready five. Amen. So I wasn't supposed to be the one flying up here, but uh, Pastor Joaquin is uh, the, a little delayed in the airport. Uh, that doesn't mean I just prepared the message now. He gave, me, he gave me more than five minutes. He said, I may not make it. That was, I think, Friday. Or 
Wednesday. He said, I may not make it, so just be ready. Be on alert, ready, five. So um, that's my way of telling you the Lord asked me to share with you this morning and talk to you about my one of my favorite movies. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for bringing us here today. We thank you, Lord, because your spirit is here. And we thank you, Lord, because you draw near to us as we worship you with, in spirit and in truth. You draw near to us. And Lord, you loved us before we first loved you. And so we're here to hear your word. We need you. Father, I need you. Do, don't let my words get in the way of your message. Don't let my thoughts get in the way. Don't let the thoughts that we brought into this building, the concerns and the worries that we dragged, that we dragged in here with us, don't let those words and those thoughts distract from what you want to do today. We pray that your spirit would speak to us, Lord. We open our hearts. We open our minds. And we give you this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's go to Luke chapter 12. God is good. As they call up the verses, God is want to start by saying how awesome God is. And I want to tell you, I don't know what you think you need. I know, I know that you think you know what you need. You think, I bet you I could pass out a sheet of paper and everybody could write down what they need. I know what you think you need. And I could write a sheet of paper with what I think I need. But you need God. You and I need God. Whatever you were going to write on your paper, if it wasn't those three letters, God, that's not what you need. You and I, can we start with that as the first assumption or the first bit of understanding? You and I, above all else, I don't know what you thought you needed when you came in here, but that's not what you need. You need God, and I need God. And I'm hoping, and I believe that God is going to speak to us today. I need God to speak to me today, and I need, and you need God to speak to you today. And so that's what you should expect, and that's what you should desire. Do we have Luke chapter 12, verse, oh, I didn't give you the verses. Luke 12, 29. These guys are fast. Luke 12, 29. Can we get another, another translation that looks like King James? Something a little more current. Luke 12, 20, uh, 29, another translation. They're what now? They're saying they can't. All right, let's go with that one. There you go. Thank you. They got it up there. Thank you. 
So Luke 12, 29 says, Do not seek what you will eat or what you will drink. Don't go to the next verse because I'm going to stay here for a bit. It says, Do not seek what you will eat or what you will drink. Do not seek what you think you need. Don't we need food and don't we need... I need to eat. I need... As a matter of fact, I had two portions of cereal this morning to be ready to preach. Right? I need to eat and I need to drink. But the Bible says, don't seek. There's, you know there's a verse in the Bible that says, don't worry about what you'll eat. And so some people say, well, I don't worry. I just seek it. I'm not worried. I'm, I'm, I just go out there and get it. But that's in Matthew it says, don't worry about what you'll eat or drink. But here it says, don't seek. That means don't go after. Don't look for. That's what seek means, right? To look for. Don't look for what you will eat or drink. Don't look for what you need or what you think you need. And then it says, be anxious for nothing. When Sister Yvette started saying this, Lord, you know what I'm anxious about. I said, yes, Lord. This is the right word for today. Because the Lord knows what we're anxious about. And you know what he says? Don't be anxious. It's, a, it's an instruction. It's a decision you make. Later we're going to read where it says, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't permit, don't allow. In spite of what's going on, in spite of what you need, Lord, I need to eat, I need to drink, I need to pay my bills, in, I need healing. In spite of what you need, God says, be anxious for nothing. Don't seek what you'll eat or drink, neither be anxious. And there's another translation that says, do not fear. Verse 30. For the nations of the world seek after these things, meaning those that don't know God seek these things. But you, but your father knows that you need these things. So those that don't have a father in heaven, notice it's capital, those who don't have a father in heaven, they seek what they need. But your father knows you need these things. My daughters need to eat, but my daughters don't need to seek what they're going to eat. My daughters need to drink. They need clothes. They need a house. They need a place to live. But they don't have to seek for that. Why? Because their father who is upstairs on the second floor knows that they have need of these things. Those who don't have a father... Father in heaven, capital. Those who don't have a father, they seek these things. My daughter doesn't seek those things. She doesn't have to because I know she needs them. Your father in heaven knows you need them. You don't have to be anxious and you don't have to seek after these things. Not only you don't have to, he tells us, do not seek after these things. Why? You have a father. You have a father in heaven. And he knows you need these things. And it's not, I used to think it was irresponsible not to seek these things. We were taught it's irresponsible for us not to seek these things. But this, the Bible, God is, Jesus is telling us, do not, he's instructing us, do not seek these things. What things? What you will eat, what you will wear, what you need. Because your father, that's how people without a father live. 
But your Father in heaven knows you need them. Next verse. Please. So first we see, it tells us what not to seek. Do not seek what you will eat, drink, or wear. First it says what not to do. Don't seek and don't be anxious. Then it tells us what to seek. But seek instead God's kingdom. What are you supposed to seek? God's kingdom. In these verses, we see what not to seek, and we see what to seek. It says, those who don't have a father seek what, the, seek what they eat and drink, but those who have a father seek their father's kingdom. What does it say? And all these things will be added to you. Verse 32. Do not be afraid. Bible tells us over and over to take courage, to be encouraged. You know why you, know why you need courage? Why do they say don't be afraid? Because you're going to face things that bring fear into your life. You're going to face difficult situations. They wouldn't have to tell you not to be afraid if life was easy. If you weren't going to go through hardships and difficult times, no one would have to tell you take courage. You don't need courage if you're not going through anything. So when you hear somebody tell you, take courage, don't think easy for you to say you're not going through anything. You need courage when you're going through something. The Bible says if your strength fails in the day of adversity, your strength is weak. If you fail in the day of adversity, your strength is weak. Strength is made for adversity. When God, the Bible says, be strong and very courageous. Not because everything is going to go well with you. Be strong and very courageous for I, the Lord, am with you. God is with you and he wants to encourage you, not as he hides you from your enemies, but as he takes you through the valley of the shadow of death. God wants you to take courage because courage is what you need to get through what you have to go through in this life. And so God says, don't be afraid. I know you guys, this says, don't be afraid, little flock. And you guys say, you know, I'm a grown man. I'm not a little flock. And, or I'm, a, I'm an adult. I'm, I, I'm not, this is not talking to me. This must be talking to little kids. No, it was talking to some pretty rough fishermen. You guys seen Deadliest Catch? You guys seen those shows on TV? One of the most dangerous professions today. Today, we fish with, with a harness, so if you fall off the boat, they can pull you back in. Today, we fish. They got lifesavers. You got the Coast Guard. You got all of these incredible um, safety nets. And yet, one of the most dangerous professions is being a fisherman. And when he said, don't be afraid, little flock, he was talking to some of the roughest men around. Because in this life, there's things that will strike fear in the heart of any man. And you know what you're afraid of. I don't know what you're afraid of. I know what strikes fear in my heart. I know the things I have to wrestle with. And you know the things you have to wrestle with. But God says, and he's talking to you when he says, don't be afraid, little flock. There's a verse that's, there's another translation, leave that one there, but there's another translation that says, 
it has pleased the Father to give you his kingdom. I wanted to emphasize on all the different parts of this verse. But in reality, the reason I sought this verse was just, or these verses, was just for that last part. It has pleased the Father. Listen to this. And, and allow this to get into your spirit. You have a spirit inside of you. And the Bible says that God's spirit bears witness. God's spirit speaks to your spirit. So allow God's spirit to speak to you. What, I'm about to say, what we're about to talk to say. It has pleased God to give you his kingdom. This is a verse that's very easy to just read over. I've read over it a, a hundred times. God wants to give you his kingdom. It has pleased the Father. God, listen to me. I don't know what's in your business plan. I don't know what's in your plans for your life. I know the things that come up in, in my mind and in my life. And each one of us, we have plans, we have ideas, we have desires. I don't know what's in your heart. But it's God's heart to give you his kingdom. It's like a father who has a business and wants to leave his business to his children. He wants to leave not just the business, maybe the inheritance. Maybe there's some land. Back then, there was flocks and cattle and it was it was a different system that they lived in but the father wants to give what he has to his children your father in heaven wants to give you his kingdom is there anything greater than that that you aspire to I'm not going to go fast. I might go fast later, but I'm not going to go fast now, and I'm not going to fire off verses so that you forget the second verse and you haven't really taken it in. God wants to give you his kingdom. You may not even know what that means, but whatever it is, whatever it is, whatever it means that God wants to give you his kingdom, isn't, do you have a better idea? Do you have better plans for your life than God does? God wants to give us his kingdom. We have things in our heart and things in our mind, and we were taught to live in a way so fast that when we hear this, we say amen and we move on. This should change our life. When Jesus came to the disciples and said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. They didn't say amen and went about their business. Their life changed at that moment. At that instant, their life took on a different focus. A diff their life was totally changed. And they lived to walk with, they lived to follow God 
and the life that God had for them. And when we hear these words, I know you want me to go on. I can feel it. Because you're used to just hearing one idea and the next idea, and I keep your brain entertained, or, or, or the pastors keep our brain entertained. Because that's what we ask for. But I, I need you, God, I say I, God wants you to really take this in. God wants to give you his kingdom. What does that mean? What does that mean for you? What is our response before a God, before a Father who says, listen, stop worrying. Stop worrying. Stop worrying about what you need. Stop chasing those things. Seek first my kingdom. And all those things will be added. Not only that, but I want to give you not just what you're going to eat and drink. I want to give you my kingdom. We should desire God's kingdom and what God has for us above all else. That's why Paul said, I count everything as loss. I count all things as loss that I might gain that for which Christ laid hold, that I might lay hold of that for which Christ laid hold of me. God, God laid hold of you. You're here today because God laid hold of you. God laid hold of you for something. He, he's bringing you along. We're not bringing ourselves along, guys. This is tough. Thanks. This is tough. And we struggle. I, mean, I struggle. I've been a Christian 20 years. I struggle. I fight. I fall down. Isn't, I th do we sing a song like that? I fall down, I get back up, I fall down, something like that. The Bible says a righteous man will fall seven times. And seven times he'll get up. So this is not easy. And we're here because of the goodness of God. No other reason. So God laid hold of you for something. Paul said, I count all things as loss for the sake that I might lay hold of that for which Christ laid hold of me. So God laid hold of you. You're here not by your own device, not by your own design, not by your own choice even. You're here because one day God, God knocked on the door of your heart and he laid hold of you. When, you. when you opened the door, he laid hold of you. And that's why you're still here years later. And some of you, 10, 20 years later. God laid hold of you for something. We need to desire above all else to lay hold of that for which Christ laid hold of us for. Let's go to John chapter 16, starting in verse 7, please. 
This is amazing. This is Jesus speaking, and Jesus says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. What? Jesus is saying it's to our advantage that he goes away. Because he says, for if I don't go away, the counselor, the helper, notice how it's capitalized, the counselor, the helper won't come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Verse 8. When he comes, he will convict the world about sin and righteousness and judgment. Verse 9. About sin because they don't believe in me. Verse 10. About righteousness because I, I'm going to my father and you won't see me anymore. Here, leave that in 10. Jesus was our model for righteousness. We could look at Jesus' life and see what, how we were supposed to live, how we were supposed to live rightly. When Jesus went to heaven, he said, I'm leaving, but I'm sending you my counselor who will convict, who will convince you regarding righteousness, who will convince you how you ought to live. The Holy Spirit, and this is why I said, God's Spirit bears witness to your spirit. The Holy Spirit convinces you of how you ought to live, rightly. Verse 11. And about judgment, verse 12. I think. My translation, I was looking for where it says it, but my translation, this translation said this, he will convict you of righteousness. I'm going to just read you. My translation says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you to all truth. He will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will tell you. Let's go to John chapter 14 where it talks about this a little more. The Bible says God, is, God sends his spirit. Here was the point of that verse. While we go to, chapter, to John chapter 14 verse 1, here's the point of that verse. God sends us his spirit. And his spirit guides us to all truth. It says here, do not let your heart be troubled. Why does he have to say that? How many of your hearts have ever been troubled? Raise your hand. What does the Bible say? What does Jesus say? Don't let. That means you have to allow. You have to allow your heart to be troubled. But Jesus says, do not let your heart be troubled. Verse 10. I'm going to read you my translation. It says, do not let your... Uh, verse 10 says, the words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative. Here it says, the words I tell you, I speak not from myself. The translation I have says, do not, I do not speak these words on my own initiative. And that's important. Nothing in the kingdom of God. Listen to this. We're talking, we said God wants to give you his kingdom. Nothing in the kingdom of God is from our own initiative. Jesus didn't do his own will. The Holy Spirit when he speaks to us, he doesn't speak 
out of his own initiative, his own will, his own thoughts. Jesus didn't live for himself. The Holy Spirit doesn't live for himself. The kingdom of God is not about you. The kingdom of God is not about what you want. The kingdom of God is awesome. The kingdom of God is to be desired above all things. It's much better than what you want. You have desires in your life. The kingdom of God is not about what you want. But the kingdom of God is better than what you want. But it means dying to yourself. If I want what God has for me, I have to be willing to let go of what I want for myself. And so the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God, and He doesn't do His own will. He doesn't speak His own words. He speaks whatever God tells Him to speak. Jesus Christ Himself, it says here, the words I tell you, I don't speak on my own initiative. The kingdom of God is awesome and to be desired above all else. But it's not what you want. And it's not your will. It's finding out what God wants and then saying, God, your ways are higher than my ways. Whatever I wanted, what you want is much better for me and it's much better for my family. It's much better for the church. It's much better for the world. The situation we have in this, in, 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 in the problems we see are because of the selfishness of man. You live for what you want. You live for what you want. You live for what you want. I live for what I want. And that's the chaos that we see. You want to hang on to your desires, your life, what you want. And that's what everybody else is doing. And that brings chaos. Because it means I sacrifice what's good for you in order to get what's good for me. But God's love says, no greater love has a man than this. No greater love has a man than this, that he laid down his life for his brother. That's what God has. To teach you to lay down your life for God and for your brother. That's much better than somebody taking your life or you taking someone else's life for your own will. So the kingdom of God has to do with God's initiative, God's will, and not your will. Verse 25. I have said these things, these things to you while you're still living, 26. But the Helper, the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, from whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things. Listen, God wants to give you His kingdom. God wants to teach you all things. God wants to teach you all things. I'm, listen, I'm not trying to get you excited. Have you ever been in one of those messages where somebody says something and then they pause and it's like you kind of feel like I'm supposed to get excited about this? So then they say it again. You know, it's just things that preachers do. I don't know why. I'm not trying to get you excited, guys. You should be excited, meaning, meaning this is exciting. But 
I'm not pausing to get you excited. I'm pausing so that you might meditate on this. God wants to teach you all things. I I feel like not even reading any more verses and just letting you meditate on that. Because I don't want you to miss this. God wants to give you his kingdom. And he wants to teach you all things. I'm not talking about the pastor. I'm not talking about the missionary. I'm not talking about the choir leader. I'm talking about you. God laid hold of you. And you're, you are here because he wants to teach you all things. Because he wants to give you his kingdom. So now there needs to be a response. You need un- First, you need to understand that. That needs to get inside of you. And it needs to get inside of your spirit. He will teach you all things. Verse 27. Jesus says, Peace I leave with you. God wants to leave you. or Jesus has left us his peace. We leave Jesus' peace. There's a difference. Jesus leaves us his peace, and we leave it behind to do our own thing. Jesus gives peace when we do God's will. And when we do God's will, Jesus gives us his peace. But we leave his peace behind to go do our own thing. If you don't have the peace of God with you, go back to where you left it. Go back to your time with God. Go back to your relationship with God. Christ left you his peace. If you don't have peace, you've left God. You've left him behind somewhere. You might have left him behind yesterday. You might have left him behind at the mall. You might have left him behind at work. I don't know where you, you might have left him behind at the last argument you had. I don't know where you left behind. But God gives us peace. And that's why we say God's ways are higher than our ways. And God wants to give you, you know what his kingdom is about? It's peace. Joy and righteousness. It's not what you want. It may not be the house you want. Maybe it is. It may not be the house you want. It may not be the, 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 maybe it's not, you want your husband to treat you differently and maybe he doesn't do that. And so you, I'm going to twist his arm until he does. It may not be what, God's will may not be what you want. But it's peace, it's joy, and it's righteousness. And that's better than anything else. That's better, money can't buy peace. I was listening to John. How many of you heard of Joel Osteen? Everyone, right? <clears throat> the, old, the, the old folks remember John Osteen, his father. This morning I called my wife. I said, honey, honey, have you ever seen John Osteen? Listen to this. I was watching five-minute clip that he was preaching on. And, and we heard John Osteen, Joel Osteen's father. He said, and he gave a story about, he said he knew, this was back, this must have been, they looked like they were dressed in the 80s. So, and like early 80s. And in the 80s, he's dead already. He passed away. 
But in the 80s, he was preaching and he says, I just read the testimony of a billionaire. Say it with me. Billions, he said to the congregation. This was back in 1980-something. Today, everybody's a billionaire. Today, Warren but you know, it's like Warren Buffett's like number nine or something. He's like, he's got like 45, 50 billion dollars, and he's not even in the top, I don't even know if he's in the top three anymore. So, but this was back in the 80s, and he heard the testimony of a man who said, if I just had, he was a billionaire, and he said, if I just have 10 more years. I'll be set. Billionaire. Billions. You can't, if you threw the money in the bank and just sat there and let them send you the interest payments, you couldn't spend it all. This guy was a billionaire and he said, if I just have 10 more years, I'll be set. So we think we need more money. And no matter how much money you have, you think you need more money. The Bible actually calls it, and we're going to read about it, the Bible calls it the deceitfulness of riches. The deceitfulness of riches tell you, you just need a little bit more. You're almost there. You're almost there. You just need a little bit more. One more deal, one more promotion, one more, just a little bit more. The deceitfulness of riches. So it may not be that promotion you're looking for. God's will for your life may not be that extra business deal. But money can't buy peace. Money can't buy joy. What would you rather have? A lot of money and no peace? A lot of vacations but no joy? You know, have you ever seen some, have you ever met these people? I've seen, I, I, unfortunately, I saw them even in my parents' life. But I'm sure it's happened to you. You ever gone on a vacation and you're dreaming about going on the vacation? You could hear the harp playing as you dream about this wonderful vacation. And then when you go there, you're sweating, you're upset, you're angry. You know, you're, you're, we go on vacation and my parents would fight and they'd be upset. And I'm like, we're on vacation. We're skiing. We're eating. We're having hot chocolate. I mean, this is awesome. And they were fighting and I've seen that that's that's pastor talks about as a divorce attorney about people who go on a vacation and come back and get divorced so money doesn't buy um, peace and pleasure doesn't buy joy money doesn't because some of you yeah you know I'm not really about the money I just want to enjoy my life. Pleasure doesn't buy joy. Some, the people who have dedicated their life to, to money are miserable and anxious that they're going to lose it. The people who've dedicated their life to pleasure have no joy. They can't get enough. That's how some people fall, some people fall into drugs and drinking because they're trying to get away. They're trying to, they use it as an escape. But some people fall into drugs and drinking because they want to have a good time. And they're just giving themselves over to pleasure because they think if they give themselves to pleasure, they're going to have joy. But money doesn't buy peace and pleasure doesn't buy joy. Doesn't get you joy. 
And I don't have a story for righteousness, so you guys have to figure that one out on your own. You're waiting for it, right? I don't have one. Sorry. You give me one next week. All right. But you guys get the point. God's kingdom is peace, joy, and righteousness. God has something for you that's better than what you have for yourself. So, so we said the Holy Spirit comes and he teaches you all things. How many of you have heard God? How many of you know that God speaks? You know when God wants you to do something, you know. You can't get away from it. So God has been faithful to speak. God has been faithful to communicate with us. So what's going on? What's going on in our life? Let's go to James. Sorry. Um, let's go to Romans chapter 8, verse 14. We'll go, to, we'll go to James later. Let's go to Romans chapter 8, verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. God wants to lead you. Again, God wants to lead you by His Spirit. I don't, I don't know what's leading you, and you have to ask yourself, what is guiding my life? But the Bible says, those who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. Therefore, leaving the teaching of the base, the, one translation says the elementary principles. Here it says, therefore, leaving the teaching of the first principles. But there's another translation, just to make this a little more clear. There's another translation that says, leaving the elementary principles. You guys have learned elementary school. Eventually, it's time to leave elementary. They give you a little diploma, they give you a little hat, and they send you on your way. Leaving elementary, let us press on. We have to press on. This says perfection. Another translation says maturity. God wants you to mature. God wants me to mature. God doesn't want you to be in the same place today that you were last, last year, spiritually. The Bible says leaving the elementary, leaving the basics. You're not supposed to come here and listen to the same message about repentance, salvation, forgiveness over and over and over again. The Bible says you're supposed to press. That means, you know what a press is? It means you have resistance. You have to put forth effort. I don't know if you guys have ever taken physics, but when you're calculating force, the only way to apply force I can't push it. Let me say it this way because that's going to get confusing. I can't push against the air, right? I can't push against the air because it's not pushing back. But I, I right now I'm pushing about, I'm proud to say because I lost like 30 pounds. Right now I'm pushing like 107, 168 pounds on the floor. I can't push 200 pounds because I don't weigh 200 pounds. If I weighed 200 pounds, I'd be pushing 200 pounds on the floor. And guess what the ground is doing? It's pushing right back. You know how much it's pushing back? Take a guess how much it's pushing back. I weigh 165. Don't say I weigh 200. No, no, you're right. But you got the idea. He's right. How much is the ground pushing back? 
165, something thereabouts. Why? Or not, the point is not why. The point is this. Um, when you press, it's because something's pressing back. This is not pressing. There's nothing here. When you press, I'm pressing against the ground. The ground you know the ground is not pressing. If the ground was pe pressing back 200 pounds, I'd be up in the air. But when you press, it's because something's pressing back. Right here, I'm making, I'm, I'm actually, you can't tell, but I'm, I'm flexing, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling here to hold my, my, you know, my arms together. Here, there's no resistance. The Bible says press on to maturity. God wants you to push through. That means it's not going to be easy. You got to push through to maturity, the Bible says. Not laying, not to go through this. God doesn't want you to play church. God doesn't want you to come here and just do the same thing you did before. Glory to God. Hallelujah. God is good. I paid my tithe. I went on the retreat and we'll do it again next year. God wants you to press on to maturity. You know what maturity looks like? When you look like Christ. Maturity is when you could say, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And we're not there, okay? But that's where we have to press on to. God is calling you to maturity. God is calling you to grow. That means he's calling you not to be comfortable. Pressing on is not comfortable. Pressing on is not easy. Sitting where you're at is not God's will for your life. That's what you might want to do. You might want to relax. You might want to, you know, I've had a hard life. I've had a hard couple of years. I've had, I just want to relax. I just want to enjoy. God's will for your life is to press on to maturity. That's not what you want, but that's what God wants. And God wants to give you his kingdom. So if you want God's kingdom, you need to press on to maturity. You need to get off your behind, spiritually speaking. You need to get off your behind. You need to stop resting at the level you've attained. If you're not feeling anything pushing back, that means you're not pushing. You're not pressing. You need to press on to maturity with the understanding. Where am I going? Okay, I'm going to press on to where? God wants to give you his kingdom. Are you inheriting his kingdom? Are you pressing on? Or have we become comfortable? Have we figured, you know what happened to me this morning? I was saying, God, you need to help me. You know what's been happy, happening to me? I pray, and I know the Bible verses that answer my prayer. Because, you know, you've been in church long enough, and you know what the Bible says. So you know, or you think you know, the Bible verses that answer my prayer. And I say, God, I don't know how I'm supposed to do this, but bring me back to a place where I pray for you to answer me and not for my not for me to answer myself i need a, i need you to talk to me lord i can't rely on i'm not going to get anywhere i'm not going to get where you want me to get if i rely on my own understanding so we get comfortable but that's not we get comfortable and that's where jesus 
came against the Pharisees. Because the Pharisees thought they had it all figured out. And they were very religious. And they walked the walk. I'm sorry, they talked the talk. And they dressed the part. But their life didn't reflect the heart of God. And their life didn't reflect the kingdom of God. And the Bible says that we are to press on. So God wants to give you his kingdom. And you need to press on to inherit it. The Bible actually says the kingdom of God. God wants to give you his kingdom, but it says the kingdom of God suffers violence. If you're not suffering violence, you're not in the kingdom. Let me say that again. Jesus said this. This is not me. The kingdom of God suffers violence. And the violent take it by force. That's what pressing on is. God wants to give you his kingdom, but you have to press on. You have to fight. You have to push through. On the other side is God, is peace, is joy, is righteousness. What's not there is your will. What's not there is my will. But what's there is better than your will and my will. So let's go to James chapter 1, verse 22. James chapter 1, verse 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers deluding or deceiving yourselves. We said God's word, God speaks to us. The reason I went through those verses about the spirit of God, I wanted you to understand God wants to speak to you. I wanted you to understand God says he's going to teach you all things. I'll bring you back to that. God wants to teach you all things. But the Bible also says be doers. The Holy Spirit's teaching. When I said do we know that God speaks, everybody raise their hand. When I said can God, doesn't God know how to tell you what you should do? Everybody raise their hand because everybody knows, almost everybody, everybody who's been walking with the Lord for any amount of time knows that God is not mute. God has no trouble communicating with us. So if God communicates clearly, and we all know in this house, thank God, thank you, Jesus, we know God communicates clearly with us. We leave this place and we know what God wants. And we say amen and our heart jumps with joy. But the Bible says, be doers of the word. So God is doing his part. God is speaking to us. God is giving us his kingdom. But we need to be doers. That has got to become life in us. We need to live what God is speaking, the things that God is asking us to do, we need to do them. And if you guys know that God has spoken to you, you also know that we fall short of what God speaks to us all the time. We fall short of what God speaks to us. And God is calling us to press on, not to be hearers. Listen, the Bible says, if you... You know, God is, 
God is speaking, I don't know if I'd say harshly, but he's speaking frankly with us. When he says, listen, you guys who are hearing the word, those of you who come to church and you hear the word, but you're not doing what it says, don't fool yourself. This is not about coming to church. It's not about hanging out with Christians and going, sending your kid to Sunday school. It's about doing what God has called you to do. It's about doing what God has shown you to do. It's about living and being what God is calling you to live and be. And so it says, be doers of the word, because if you're just, if you're just going through the motions, if you just hear the word, and you're not doing it, you're, you're, you're deluding yourself. You're deceiving yourself. So don't, don't deceive yourself. God's expectation is that we be doers. of God does his part, and he, sh- he speaks to us clearly. But God's expectation is that we do what he speaks to us, that we be doers of the word and not deceive ourselves. Verse 23. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, hey, I go to church. I listen to the word. It was an awesome word. You got to download it. I got it on my podcast. I got it in my car. We're hearers of the word, but not doers. He's like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. Next verse. And he sees himself and goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he is. What does that mean? Don't leave it there. What does that mean? You go into the mirror for what purpose? To fix what's out of place. But a hearer goes into the mirror, sees what's out of place, but does nothing about it. There's things in our life that are out of place. There's things in our life that God is asking us to change. And if he, if he shows them to you, if you hear the word and you take no action, you're deceiving yourself and thinking that you're right with God. You haven't fixed anything by going before the mirror. You fix things when you go before the mirror, you hear God's word, and you fix whatever's out of order. You make whatever adjustments you need to make based on what God's word says. 25. But he who looks into the perfect law of freedom and continues, not not being a hearer who forgets, but a doer of the work, this man will be blessed in all he does. So, God wants to give us his kingdom. God has given us his spirit to show us all things. But somehow, there's a gap between what God shows us, between hearing and doing, there's a gap. And we're going to read about that gap now. What happens if God is faithful to speak? What happens? What holds us back from going from a hearer to a doer? What's happening in that gap? Let's go to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew 13. One, on that day Jesus went out to, this is the parable of the sower. On that day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the seaside. We're going to go fast, so 
great multitudes gathered to him so that he entered in a boat. So Jesus went outside, went in a boat, and a bunch of people gathered on the beach. Verse 3. He spoke to them many parables. So Jesus was teaching a lot on, in parables, and he talked to them about a sower who went out to sow. That's like a farmer, but it's the guy that, that sows that sows seeds. Okay, so he so there's a guy that opens the dirt. He goes through with the ox. You guys ever seen those those pictures with the with the guy behind an ox and he's he's uh he's plowing the, the land. So there's a guy that's going ahead plowing the land, and there's a guy that's going behind with a bag of seeds and he's he's planting the seeds. We didn't invent we think we invented the assembly line, but we didn't. They had this thing back then. They had one guy who was sitting there plowing, and behind him they had another guy who was going sowing the seed. So the Bible says, can, you, can we go back? Hmm. Okay. I think there's another, we're going to read this one, but there's another parable where it says the kingdom of God is like. So Jesus is talking here about the kingdom of God, and he says, he spoke to him in parables saying, the kingdom of God, behold, the kingdom of God is like a farmer who went out to sow. Verse 4. And he sowed some seeds that fell by the road, and the birds devoured the seeds. Verse 5. So some was devoured by the birds. Others fell on rocky ground where they didn't have much soil, and immediately they sprang up because there was no depth of earth. Verse 6. And when the sun had, ridden, they, has, had risen, they, they were scorched because they had no root and withered away. Verse 7. Others fell on thorns. The thorns grew up and choked them. Verse 8. Others fell in good soil and yielded fruit, some 100 times as much, some 60, and some 30. So it's talking about, a, it says the kingdom of God is like, and, and so far this doesn't mean anything. We're, we hear birds, we hear thorns, and we hear uh, fruit, 60, 30, 100 times what was sown. But Jesus is going to explain this now. So the, Jesus said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. Verse 10. Verse 10 says, mm, he who has ears, let him hear. Next verse. Oh, no, go back. Go, go to 10. That was it. The disciples came and said, why do you speak in parables? I don't understand. Why do you speak in parables? Verse 18. You know what? You can go back. Go to that one that you had. I think it was 11. That's a good one. Why do you speak in parables? It says, to you... It has been given to know the mysteries of heaven. God wants to reveal to you the mysteries of heaven. But to them, it has not been given. It's a privilege that God would, reveal, would give us his kingdom. God wants us to understand his kingdom. And he's going to, verse 18, he's going to explain to us what this means. It has been given to you. You guys can't live... You guys can't go on being the same. Because it's been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom. If you want to play church, you want to get out of here quickly, or you want the preaching to keep going, this church is not for you. God wants you, God wants to give you his kingdom. God wants you to, you, every one of you. What I've observed 
some people want this. And some people, I don't even know why they come to church. They just, it's a routine for them. They think God wants Yoah to take him seriously, but not me. God doesn't really want me to take God, him seriously. But the greatest commandment is that you love the Lord with all your heart. That greatest commandment doesn't apply to me. It applies to us. God's will for your life, every one of you in here, is that you love him with all your heart. God's will for your life is that you understand the mysteries of his kingdom. That you could be a blessing to your wife. That you could be a blessing, if you're a woman, to your husband, to your children, to your children's children, to your community at work, your community at church, and to the whole world. God wants you to understand the mysteries of his kingdom. That should weigh heavy on your heart. He answered and said, it's been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom. Verse 18. So he's going to explain the parable. Hear then the parable of the farmer, of the sower. Verse 19. Let's just go through as I read it. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away. Snatches away what's been sown in his heart. So the soil is your heart. And the, the seed is God's word. So God's word, we're saying what happens that God's words come to my life but I don't put them into practice. What happens that keeps me from, I'm a hearer, but I don't become a doer? And it says, God's word is the seed, and the ground is the soil, is your heart. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what's been sown in his heart. This is not, I'm not making an analogy here. Jesus is telling us that the seed is the word, and the soil is the heart. So he says, when the word comes and you don't understand it, the evil one snatches it away, what's been sown in your heart. This is the one that's sown by the roadside. We'll come back to that. Verse 20. What was sown in rocky places is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. How many have been there? You hear God's word, immediately you receive it with joy. Next verse. But he has no root in himself. Have you guys ever seen somebody that comes to church and he loves God? Glory to God, man. God is awesome. And he's the biggest dancer and singer. And he's so excited. And man, he's got all the Bible verses and the preachings. And in three weeks, you don't see him anymore. Six, you don't, or he's here for six months or a year and you don't see him anymore. He's gone. And then you see him a few years later, and he's still, glory, God, and God is awesome, and oh my gosh, you should see, God is doing great things, and then he's gone again. That's he who receives the word with joy in his heart, but it takes no root. He doesn't get it in him. He doesn't, it doesn't become part of who he is. It doesn't, it, he rejoices, but it doesn't transform him. And so he receives it in his he receives a word in his heart, but it has no root. And when difficulty comes, when oppression and persecution arise, because when he has to start pressing on, 
when he has to start pressing in, immediately he stumbles. Anybody seen anybody like that? We see them here all the time. It's just part of being in church. The word doesn't take, God, God's faithful. He brings the word, but we don't let it take root. So we rejoice. But immediately when I go through trouble, I stumble. Verse 22. Now what was sown among thorns is the one who hears the word, but the cares of this age. The deceitfulness of riches. Choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. There's another translation that says the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things. Choke the word. Verse 23. What was sown on good soil, that's your heart, what was sown in a good heart is the one who hears the word and understands it. And most certainly it bears fruit. Some a hundred times as much, some 60 times as much, some 30 times as much. God's word, God's will is that his word come and it bear fruit in your life. God's word, God's will is that his word bear fruit in your life. That you be a doer and not a hearer of his word. And what are the three things that keep us from being a doer of his word? Number one, it says those who don't understand it, the, the evil one comes and snatches it away. How do you get something stolen? When you don't protect it. When you don't care for it. You guys remember the, some of you might probably don't ever seen this, but you guys remember the club? It was, this, it was a bar that you put in your car. The club, you put it in your car, and it locks the steering wheel, so you can't, it makes it a lot more difficult to steer the, steal the car. And people would go around saying, oh, that's the dumbest thing ever. I could steal that. I could steal the car anyway. But the reality is this. If there's 100 cars in the parking lot, with, if there's 100 cars in the parking lot, and you go walk in and 10 of them have the club, you say, why the heck am I going to go through all the trouble of getting around the club when there's 90 cars out here that I can have easy access to? That was the thinking with the club. It wasn't really that you couldn't steal the car. It was just a hassle. It was too much trouble. And it was, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I, don't, I haven't seen one around in many years. I guess that shows my age. But the point is this. What is it, and the Bible talks about this, what is it that gets stolen from us? It's what we don't protect. The Bible says some seed was sown in your heart and the devil comes and steals it. We don't value God's word. We don't guard, the Bible says to guard God's word in your heart. We don't, God's word comes, but we don't value it. We take it for granted. Oh, I go to, you know, psh, I go to four or five services a week. It's easy to start, you know, take it light. I'm going to hear another word next week. I'm going to hear another word. And tomorrow we're going to hear another word. It's going to be a good one because I'm sharing. I'm just kidding. But tomorrow we're going to hear another word. And Wednesday we're going to hear another word. And Thursday we're going to hear another word. And I have a Bible app and I can read God's word anytime. So we take God's word lightly. 
and we don't guard it in our heart. How many of you have heard an awesome message and you forget about it hours later? It's awesome. What was it? What was it? I don't remember. Man, it was amazing. God spoke. It was the best message he ever shared. Really? What was it about? Man, I don't remember, but it was awesome. You got to get the CD. You guys, how many have heard that before? That happens all the time. We don't guard God's word in our heart. And the Bible says God's word comes. The sower went out to sow, but we didn't guard it. We didn't care for it. We didn't watch over it in our heart, and so the devil steals it. And we don't get any benefit. We were a hearer, but not a doer. The second example was the one that was sown in rocky soil. It says immediately it springs up. These are the people, typically, that speak before they think. Their, their mouth is connected. How, how's this? Forgot the analogy. Something like their mouth, their tongue is connected to their brain or something like that. But the point is this. They speak first and then they think. Quick. They quickly rise up with joy. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Oh, my gosh. But there's no depth. They haven't really, they say something, but they haven't really counted the cost of what they're saying. So they talk a, a really good, these are, these are the people that talk a really good talk, but their life doesn't back it up. These are the people who talk, man, that guy's flying, he's walking on air. But his life doesn't confirm, his, wife, his life doesn't reflect what he um, what he's speaking those are the guys who they hear God's word but it doesn't take root so it springs up with joy and as soon as they go through trouble because they haven't counted the cost they haven't decided to pay the price immediately the difficulties of this life the Bible says scorch the seed and so again God was faithful he brought his word. The sower went out to sow, but it didn't take root. And because it didn't take root, there was no fruit. And the last one was the one that was sown, sown in, 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 among thorns. And this is the one where God sows his word, and again, we receive it with joy. But it says the cares of this world the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things choke the word. We said that God wants to give you his kingdom. We said that God is faithful to speak to us. He sends his Holy Spirit to teach us all things. But we've also said that Many times, God's word comes and it doesn't bear fruit. The Bible says, the cares of this world. Remember the first thing we read? Don't worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, what you will wear. Don't seek these things, for your Father in heaven knows you need them, but seek the kingdom. God wants to give you his kingdom. But the cares of this world, 
the deceitfulness of riches. I just need a little bit more. One more business deal, one more promotion, a little more money. And the desire for other things. Choke the word. We hear God's, God is so faithful to speak to us. He's really faithful. I'm amazed. I'm almost embarrassed or ashamed at how, how faithful God is to speak to us. But the desire for other things choked the word. Remember how, and we're going to close with this. Remember how we said that God wants to give you his kingdom, but his kingdom is not your will. His kingdom is peace, joy, and righteousness. But it's not the things that you want. It's not the life that you want. It's not the things that you're desiring. God's kingdom is about God's initiative and his will. It's better than what you want. But the things that you want choke God's word. And so you have to make a decision. The decision is this. You have to die to yourself. We gotta dismiss, we're going to dismiss in a couple very quickly. But I want to leave you with, I ran over time. I wanna, but I want to leave you with this. As you walk out these doors, you have a decision to make. If you want what God has for you, you have to decide to die to your desires. If you deny yourself, take up your cross, you'll have, you'll receive God's kingdom. If you hang on to the things you've been hanging on to, you're not going to receive what God has for you. So we're going to be dismissed now. And I just pray that as you, as you get in your car, say hi to everybody. Um, uh, you know, enjoy your fellowship. Enjoy your Sunday. But as you get in your car, I want you to meditate on this word and decide to put off those things that are choking God's word and receive the kingdom of God, which he wants to give you. Amen. You guys are dismissed. God bless you.